now to Mark chapter 14, verses 43 through 50. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Mark 14, verses 43 through 50. And immediately when he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had been given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily in your temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. And then they all forsook him and fled. May the Lord add his blessing this morning as our pastor continues to share with us more about the book of Mark. Today we come to this passage about how Jesus was betrayed. And the first, we're going to find that uh, there were four groups that betrayed Jesus. The first is an individual, and his name is Judas. Oh, well, we didn't like him anyway, did we? I mean, he's the guy who complained about Mary when she was pouring the ointment on, on Jesus' feet. And, and then we read about how he was the one stealing the money, the money that he was supposed to be keeping for Jesus and the disciples and the poor people, and he was putting in his own pocket. And, and he's the one who, uh, when Jesus told everybody that he knew who was going to betray him, Judas went out and betrayed him anyway. Totally ignored what Jesus said. You know, Jesus is not a very likable fellow to us. But Jesus desired him. Jesus loved him. Jesus yearned for his heart and tried to lead him to repentance. Jesus washed his feet. Jesus was going to the cross for him because he died for all, didn't he? And yet Judas took and threw it all away. Threw all that away. Because he loved money. And he loved position. And that's what he wanted. And he chose to do things his way. So Judas is the first one that we're looking at who betrayed Jesus. But there's another group here, and this is uh, a larger group, in verse 50. Did you see it? 
Then they all forsook him and fled. Who's that all? It's the other disciples, isn't it? All the other eleven. Not one stood there and stayed with Jesus. They all fled from Jesus. Now this was the group of people that in John chapter 13, when they were at the upper room, it says Jesus loved them to the end. In other words, he's still loving them right there, right this very night. He loved them. He cared for them. He desired the best for them. He had been teaching them all through the three and a half years, teaching them so patiently with such long-suffering and compassion. And he led them by example. He showed them love. He showed them how to do things. He was an example to them in all those things. And he included them. He included them in his miracles. When he fed the 5,000, wasn't it they who took the food and distributed it around to the people? And didn't he send them out with power over demons and over illnesses and over all kinds of things? They were able to do miracles. He included them in that. And he saved them. He saved them in the storm. Remember, they were about to perish. And he said, peace, be still, and saved them. And he warned them. He warned them of the future so they could be prepared. And yet, they ran away from him when he needed them the most. And so verse 47 tells about one who took out a sword, ready to fight. But he wasn't doing it Jesus' way, was he? Jesus had said that he was going to be betrayed into hands and he was, it, was, it was part of the plan but this disciple who took out the sword was going against the plan. He was doing it his own way, not Jesus' way. He was pulling out a sword just like Eve pulled out that piece of fruit. And don't we all like to do it our own way? And then verse 51 and 52 is a little bit of an interesting story. It says, Now a certain young man, in other words, one of the disciples, followed him, and having a linen cloth thrown about his naked body, and the young men fled, uh, the young men laid hold of him, and then he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Now imagine that. Fled from them naked. So one faced this, losing his clothing, but all of them were naked. Naked of the robe of righteousness, just as surely as Adam and Eve were when they sinned against their Creator in the garden. And then verses 66 to 72 go on telling about how one be, uh, denied that even knew Jesus. Denied it three times. Denied it with enthusiasm of swearing and cursing. And we know that story. I'm not going to take the time to read all that through. You can look at that. They all left him, choosing to go their own way. Not the way of Jesus. Not the way of trial. Not the way of suffering. Not the way of rejection or trouble or death. They wouldn't go that way. They went their own way. And they betrayed their master. So the second group of people 
is the larger group than the first. This is all the other 11 disciples. The third group who betrayed Jesus was an even bigger group. This group were all the leaders of Israel. Look at there in verse 53 here in Mark chapter 14. Verse 53 says, And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. So in other words, the Pharisees, the priests, all the spiritual leaders of Israel were gathered there for Jesus to be put on trial before them. And how did they respond to this uh, so-called court, which is really a farce, but verse 55 says, And the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death and found none. Did they already have a plan before they even heard any testimony? They absolutely did, yes. Verse 56, it says, For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. And some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But not even then did their testimony agree. And the high priest stood in the midst and he asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be worthy of death. Then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and to say to him, Prophesy. And the other and the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. Well, these aren't very likable people are either, are they? But Jesus cared for them. Jesus was constantly inviting them to turn from their traditions and their wrong ways and to follow Him. In verse 49, it tells, we read that already, that Jesus said, I was right with you. I spoke to you. I taught openly, right out in the open, for everybody to hear, so that I could reach you, is the implication. I was there. And He taught. He taught from the Scriptures. He taught with authority. He taught how the prophecies were being fulfilled in His very life. That God's plan was working out and they could be included he appealed to them with tears in his voice. But they closed their ears to him and to his appeal. They rejected his pleas. They hardened their hearts. They chose position and pride and arrogance over his humility. 
And so they accused him and slandered him. They twisted his words. They condemned him to death. They beat him, they mocked him, and they crucified him. And they went their own way. So here in Scripture we find three groups who rejected Jesus. We have Judas. We have the other 11 disciples who all left him and fled. We have the religious leaders who had so many opportunities to respond, to hear his love, but they rejected him and they murdered him. But then there's a fourth group who have betrayed Jesus, and that is us. That is us. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and continue to come short of the glory of God. Meaning God's glorious plan for us. God's plan for us to have His glory revealed in changed lives who are made like Christ who live for His honor and His glory by the power of the Holy Spirit living within. But we have all sinned and chosen to go our own way, just like Judas and like the disciples and the religious leaders. We have separated ourselves from Him many times. From Him and from His ways. When the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go this way, this is the wrong way, we've said, oh yes, I'm going that way. That's the way I want to go and that's the way I'm going. So we've chosen our own way over His way. Like sheep, we've gone astray. And so we've betrayed the Lord and wrung His heart again and again. We have done. Do you want to stop hurting the heart of Jesus? Do you want to stop betraying Him, stop misrepresenting Him, stop disappointing Him? Stop getting in the way of Him blessing you and others through you. Do you want to stop at all? Well, how did the disciples stop? Now Judas, he, he gave up on himself. Jesus didn't give up on him. But he gave up on himself. The other disciples didn't. What was their next step after the crucifixion? Of course, they learned about His resurrection. But then they met with Jesus someplace. First in the upper room, but later by a lakeside. Now it wasn't Winnipesaukee, but it was a lakeside, wasn't it? And Jesus was there, and they were out in their boats, and Jesus had prepared something. Do you know what he had prepared? He prepared breakfast, didn't he? He had some fish and some other things there and it was, was all ready for them. And so he invited them to come from their boat and to join him for a meal. The thing that made the difference is they met with Jesus. And they ate with Jesus. And they enjoyed what he 
prepared for them. And then they listened to what he had to share. Do you remember what he talked? It doesn't say too much about what he talked to them about that day. But there was one person that he especially spoke to that we do know. It was that one who had denied him those three times. And what subject came up between Jesus and this one? Wasn't it the subject of love? It was the subject of love. They met with Jesus. They enjoyed what he prepared. And they listened to him talk about love. And they listened and they enjoyed until they understood that they were forgiven and loved and restored and challenged. Remember he said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. They were challenged to serve him. Why did the disciples stop? Because they took these steps of meeting with Jesus enjoying Him, receiving His forgiveness and His channel. Will you and I meet with Jesus? Will we eat from His Word the things that He has prepared for us? Every day, does God know what you're facing? Does he understand the difficulties or the joys that are going to meet you that day? Does he know your questions, your doubts, your shortness of faith on some things? And does he know how to prepare something good for you? And if you meet with him, is he willing to share it with you? And if you listen you think he'll bring up the subject of love? And isn't that what we really need? Is to hear every day how much he loves us. There's one of the Psalms, I've forgotten, it may be Psalm 17, verse 15. It's in the contemporary English version where it says, Lord, in the morning... Let your love satisfy all my needs. Now think about that. In the morning, let your love, in other words, God, God's love for us, satisfy all my needs. Now, someone said that sin is the fulfilling of a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Does that make, kind of make sense, doesn't it? We have a variety of needs that God designed for us to have as human beings. But often we want to meet those needs in our own way rather than in God's way. And it ends to be a wrong way. And a way that leads to problems and difficulties and destruction and hurt for us and for people around us. And God's trying to lead us into His ways that lead to life, to peace, to strength, to blessings. All kinds of blessings. Sin is the fulfilling of a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. 
Now, if all my needs are filled by being loved by God because His love is so overwhelming, so generous, like a spring that just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing, if my needs are all met by God, then do I go out into the world feeling these great needs that I've got to fulfill by, by the things of, that we're being tempted by? It's not so much of a powerful temptation anymore because my needs already met in Jesus. And so I don't need to go looking for what the world has to offer to meet my needs. I don't have to respond to those things in the same way. And so, here we find that God wants us to eat from His words the things that He's prepared for us. Every day, God having in mind through the Holy Spirit to show you things from His Word that will nourish you and me, that will fill our needs and that will make us complete in Him. Will you listen to His message of love and forgiveness and restoration and to be challenged by Him? And then you and I will find in Jesus hope and strength and confidence and victory. Let us pray. Lord, Father, as we consider how others have betrayed the Lord Jesus and you, we realize that we are included. We're part of that all who have sinned and continually fall short. And we know it hurts you. You have so much you want to accomplish, not only for us, but for people around us. People who don't know you they don't understand how good you are and how they could trust you and receive from you all the great and wonderful things you can share with them. Father, we don't want to get in the way of that. And we don't want to lose out ourselves. Thank you for inviting us to meet with you and enjoy your presence and enjoy what you've prepared for us. Thank you for your desire to grow us strong. Not shallow, not weak, but deep and strong. That we may represent you aright. That we may be used of you in a victorious and loving way to meet the challenges of our time and the needs of others. And so we surrender to you this morning. Take us now and draw us to yourself every day that this experience may be ours. For your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Let's turn to our closing hymn, number 109.
Marvelous Grace, number 109 in the regular hymnal. benediction is taken from 1 John chapter 5. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life and anyone who does not have the Son does not have life. I have written this to you so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God may be sure that you have 
eternal life. Amen. Amen.